Strobel is an investigative journalist, and he also is the author of several prominent Christian books. Two of those books are classed, classic Christian books. The first is The Case for Christ, and the second is The Case for Faith. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to present another case, a third case. This is the case for sanctification, written by the greatest author, the Holy Spirit. Amen. In a prominent book, the book of Deuteronomy, that's in the book of books, Amen. the best-selling book of all time, Amen. the Holy Bible. But in our lesson for today, it is clear that God wants his people to be a different people, that he does not desire for his people to be like other people who are not in, in a covenant relationship with him. It is clear that God has designed a different program, a different system, a different way of living for his people. So he uses Pastor Moses, the elderly Pastor Moses, to remind Israel who they are and whose they are, most importantly. Amen. And so this is a message that is on sanctification. So I want to begin this teaching by being real clear about what sanctification is and what sanctification is not, because this is a clear case, uh, as the Spirit teaches us, this is a clear case of sanctification. Now, first of all, sanctification or being sanctified is not a denomination or a certain church. Okay? Now, the fact of the matter is, is that all Christian churches, uh, are, are, it, there's an aspect where all Christian churches are sanctified, and there's an aspect where all Christian churches should be being sanctified, and I will explain that, I will unpack that in a moment, but Literally, the word sanctification or to be sanctified literally means to be set apart unto God's use. Amen. So you have on this side, for, no, I'm not talking about this side of the aisle, so don't, 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 don't get sweaty or nervous, but I'm just using spatial illustrations. On this side, you have the world, you have um, sin, you have evil, wickedness, ungodly behavior on this side. But then God takes his people and sets them apart from this side over here where there's light, Amen. where there's righteousness. And he sets them apart, distinct from over there, he sets them apart for his use Amen. over here in light. So because sanctification is to be set apart, for God's use, not for anybody's use, but, but for, anybody don't tell you what to do. You just don't go, you, you're not a, God didn't call you to be a gopher, That's right. but it's for his use. We're, we're set apart, sanctified is to be set apart for God's use. And because we're set apart for God's use, that means we're set apart for holy use. How many know God is holy? Amen. He says, I, the Lord thy God, am holy. You shall be holy for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. So we're set apart for holy use for God's purposes. So to be sanctified, in essence, means to be holy. There are words that are synonyms to sanctification. Holiness is one. To be sanctified is to be holy. 
Amen. Uh, all right? And see, all of God's people, not a denomination, but all of God's people are called to be holy. It's not like only one sector is called to be holy and everybody else do what they want to do. No, we're all, as Christians, called to holiness. Amen. That's sanctification. That's to be sanctified. Uh, righteousness is a synonym. These are words that are intricately, intricately connected to sanctification. Holiness and righteousness. You can't be sanctified without being holy. You can't be holy without being righteous. So these words, are, uh, they come together. They are tied together. And because God has called his people out of darkness over here and into his marvelous light over here, God calls us to be different. See, to be sanctified means to be different. Are, are, are you with me? Amen. So it's easy, it's easy to see from the text that the Spirit of God is dealing with sanctification here. Listen, listen, how Pastor Moses speaks to them. Uh, I know you've been taught well enough to keep your Bibles open or keep your devices clicked on because that's our manuscript, the Word of God. You can't, I don't have anything else to say except what the Word of God says. So it's clear when we look at verse 9 that the Spirit of God is dealing with being different, being sanctified. When, verse 9, you enter the land, watch this now closely, the Lord your God is giving you. Now stop right there. Here's something, this is sort of a sidebar teaching, but it's a very important teaching. Did you hear what that just said? I always teach, don't let any word pass you by. When you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you. That's telling us something very powerful. First of all, God is a giver. Amen. Not the land that you're going to take by your strength. Not the land that you're going to overpower and your military strength is going to get. But watch closely the text. When you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you. Let me pause just for a moment long enough to ask, is there anybody in the house who know for a fact that God is a giving God? Amen. Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not taking away the fact that you got skills. I, I know you got skills, but you don't have skills apart from God. The skills you got, God gave you. God is a giving God. But I want you to notice something else from the text, what he's giving here. When you enter the land, come on, help me teach. Somebody say the land. The Lord, your God, is giving you. Clearly, obviously, from the text, God gives land. Here's, here's the proposition for us, New Hope. Since we know God is a giver, right? Since we know, according to the text, that one of the many things God gives, that God gives land, outside these doors, we're claiming this land. God, we, we, God is going to give us the land. Because right outside these doors, right on Shadeland Avenue, God has the ability to give us Shadeland. God gives land. God! have the ability to give us Dixon Street. Amen. So right now, I know it's pandemic. I got that. I know it's COVID. I got that. But God is still God. And God gives the land. So we're going to say right now, God is going to give us what ministry. God is going to give us the land outside these doors. And see, we already began the process pre-COVID-19. Sister T, is it not right that we had our first annual 
Community Unity Day. Cross the street. We took it to the streets. And see, that's going to come back around again because COVID-19 cannot stop the living God. We can take a pause, but COVID-19 cannot stop the hand of the living God. We'll be back out there again, and God gives land. If you're with me, would you say amen? God gives the land. I want you to notice something else um, from the text. Um, excuse me one minute while I get my phone queued up here. When I get excited, my phone gets excited. And it does, Amen. It does different things. All right. Here you go. Now, I want you to know something because it's clear that the Holy Spirit here is talking about sanctification. When you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, and we're believing him, we're trusting him for the land, but watch this, 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 this element, the this, this sanctification. Be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. Well, watch this. He gives some, he gives some examples. I don't want you to be like the folks that I'm driving out. They're going, to live, they're going to leave behind vestiges of their behavior. They're going to leave behind some things they used to do. But I don't want you to be like them. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. Now, pagans in this culture, in this day, pagan, uh, pagan people... See, here's another thing. Don't ever think that people who are not Christians don't worship. Mm. They don't worship the true God, but they do worship. See, humans were built for worship. God created us for worship. And here's my proposition. If you don't worship the true God, you're going to worship something. You're going to make a God out of something. It might be, it might be, uh, it might be money, it, it might be your children, it might be your work, it might be, a, it might be your car, it might be a whole variety of things, but we were built for worship, we have a God-shaped vacuum on the inside, and we were built for worship, if you don't worship the one true God, you're going to worship something or somebody. And the pagan religious system, in that religious environment, they would offer their own children on the altar to please the regional deity that they worship in that locale. It was their belief that if they sacrificed their own child, it would please the god of that region. They killed their own children on, on the altar of sacrifice to please pagan deities, which are no gods at all. Don't you do that. When, 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 when you come into the prosperity and the land that I want you to have because I'm your God and I want, I want to bless you, but don't imitate what the unbelievers do out there. Don't, 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 don't you dare sacrifice or hurt your children and do not let your people practice fortune telling.
See, this is a message on sanctification, and sanctification, now let me break something down to you that's, that's very, very important regarding sanctification, something else that I need to say. When it comes to us as Christians, there are two aspects of sanctification. The first is what's called definitive sanctification. That means at the time that you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, your master, your owner, and your possessor, God definitively sets you apart for eternal life, salvation, for heaven. Thank you, Lord. Definitively. And that's called definitive sanctification. In other words, you don't have to keep getting saved over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that's worth clapping about. Thank you. When you, can, when you earnestly confess Jesus as your Lord, your master, owner, possessor, he definitively takes you out of darkness, places you into his marvelous light for heaven and his purposes, eternal life through Jesus Christ. How long is eternal? Well, that's definitive. So that's called definitive. You've been set apart for salvation. Your home, the earth is no longer your home. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Your, 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 your citizenship is in a different locale. It's in heaven, definitively, forever. Now, is that good or is that good? Which one is that? Now, that's definitive. But here's another aspect of sanctification that applies to Christians. It's called progressive sanctification. Definitive, that's our salvation. We've been set apart definitively by the Spirit of God upon our confession of faith in Jesus Christ. But there's also what's called progressive sanctification. That means God is still working on us when it comes to daily practical living down here on earth. God is still working on you to make you like his son Jesus. That's called progressive sanctification. See, we're, we're, we're holy. We've been set apart definitively, and there's a sense in which God's holiness has been definitive, definitively applied to us, and we are perfectly righteous in Christ Jesus. That's not your righteousness. That's Christ's righteousness Amen. credited to you. That's right. You're right. You don't have any. Mm. The only reason why you get into heaven because the perfect righteousness of Thank Christ you, has been credited to your account definitively. You certainly don't get there because of your behavior. Or, or your righteousnesses is, righteousness is, the Bible says, and it's plural. And I say, your righteousnesses is as filthy rags. So that means you, it ain't about you. It's about Jesus. And he's perfect, and his perfect righteousness has been credited to your account. That's called justification. Yeah, <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you. You've been justified. You've been, in other words, you've been declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. God applied the perfect righteousness of Christ to your account. That's why you go to heaven. Thank you. Period. Not about your behavior. Because if it was about your behavior, you, would not, you definitely would not get to heaven. But progressively, as we walk to earth in a practical way, God is progressively making us or sanctifying us progressively, making us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. That's called progressive sanctification. So what we're dealing with here is an aspect of progressive sanctification based upon the fact that they're in a covenant relationship with God. So as we are in a relationship with God, let me put it this way. It's the first point of your sheep, but let me just go ahead and say it this way. When you're in a relationship with God, there's some things that you can't do even when your friends do it. 
There's some, some things that as people who are sanctified, who are in the process of being like Jesus, you just can't do. Even if your unsaved friends do it. You can't do it. I mean, you can, but what I'm trying to get across to you is that from God's perspective, he has called you to be different. Amen. That's what sanctification has to do, being different. Set apart for his use. If you can feel me, would you say amen? That's why he's telling them, when you go over into that land, this is what the pagans did, but you can't do that. You can't practice fortune telling. And by the way, fortune telling still goes on today. Or use sorcery, that's the mystical arts, or interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells. I put a spell on you <laughs> in your mind. <laughs> No, 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 you can't do that. That is not what I've set you apart for, although people do that, but that's not for you. Or, 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 or function as mediums or psychics. You know what mediums are? Those who supposedly have contact with the dead, supposedly. Or call forth the spirits of the dead. So I put on your sheet the very first point, and I only got three of them, is there are some things that other folk do that Christians can't do. And I mentioned to you, even if your unsaved friends got them, because just because you say don't mean all your friends are. You can be a Christian but have friends that are not saved. But they, 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 they may be doing some stuff that you just say, you know, you just have, I don't know how you, have, you say it to them, but you know you can't do that because of who you are. Because what you're called to, you're called to holiness. If it doesn't align with holiness, you can't do it. So, 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 you know what I mean? Your friends might want to club all night long. They ain't saved. They might want to club all night long. They, they might want to. They might want to get the pipe out. But see, you're not called to that. Amen. See, sanctification means you're different. Amen. You, 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 you're not called to the pipe. You're called to peace. You're called to the Savior. You're called to the Spirit of the Living God. You, you can't be what your friends are doing and what they might even want you to be. You can't be out there getting drunk and what kind of testimony is it for the world out there that God has called and saved you if you're doing the same thing they're doing? No, no, no. Sanctification means you're different. Amen. And I'm not saying this uh, uh, just because you're saved. I'm saying this because you're sanctified. That means you're different. That means you're different. God called you to be that way. And I can prove it all over the place. We're, we're, we're different people. 2 Corinthians uh, 6, 16 through 18. 
Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. Touch not the unclean thing. Love not the world, 1 John chapter 2, 14 and 15, nor the things that are in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't fall in love with the way the world does things. Christians, Christians, here's a, here's a biggie, because I found out some Christians don't know this, but Christians are not to seek the will of God apart from the word of God in prayer and prayer. You want to know what God would have you to do? Get in this book and get in prayer. Don't you listen to nobody saying, I got a Ouija board. We'll find out what God wants you to do. Or, or I, know, I know somebody who do cards. I'm not talking about playing bit whist. I'm talking about tarot cards. Where Christians are not called to that. Or, or I know a fortune teller. And there are professing Christians who profess to know the Lord who are dibbling and dabbling in fortune tellers, astrological forecasts, that is not, that's mysticism too. And here's the, here's the, here's the part about astrological forecasts, uh, tarot cards, Ouija boards, all of those mystical type of gimmicks is there is demonic spirits that undergird it. We know there is no such thing as a small g God. There is no such thing as any other God. There's only one God. Amen. But when you mess with mystical practices, it's undergirded by demonic spirits. And demons are real. Yeah. The Bible talks That's about right. them throughout scripture. Demon, yeah. What undergirds all of that? Tarot cards, fortune tellers, Ouija boards, uh, uh, astrological signs, I'm Aquarius, I'm Pisces, I'm going to check the stars, see what's in my forecast. What undergirds it is demonic spirits. And demons are real. If you want to know what God has in plan for you, if you want to know God's future, check out the one who wrote the future. It's in the book. Don't try to check out anything else but what's written. It is written. You tell the devil himself. Devil, get thee behind me for it is written. I am a son and daughter of the living God. I'm a child of the king. I have power from on high. God has given me all things by his divine power that I might live my life godly and holy in the Lord. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now watch what it says. It's, it's, it's very important. Anyone who does these things is detestable because it's undergirded by a different spirit realm. See, it might seem innocent to you because it's, it's just a game, Pastor. Ouija is just a game, but it's, undergird, it's what undergirds that. The demonic. And see... People don't know when they bring that kind of stuff into their house, they're inviting demonic spirits in. Check the book. Demonic spirits are in there. 
So it's demon possession. Jesus cast out a whole bunch of demon-possessed folk. And I believe there's some outside these doors. Matter of fact, I know there is. It is because of the up, the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you, but you must be blameless. The Bible says before the Lord your God. Second point, the church is not to be influenced by the ungodly world, but the ungodly world is to be influenced by the church. Did you hear what I said? See, I found out a long time ago, see, we got to get the formula correct. We have a scientist in the house. She's my cousin, Carlosa. Carlosa is a scientist. Carlosa, her and I have talked about these kind of things. And when I took, I took chemistry in high school and at Pitt, right? Struggled big time. That was not my thing. God was letting me know right then, you are not to be a chemist. <laughs> but what I found out, though, is the formulas are important. I don't care how much well you know your uh, table of elements and all that. If you don't get those formulas right, and I learned in eighth grade algebra, if you don't get the equation right, if you don't have one thing on this side, if you got, you got to have that balanced out on the other side of the equation, or your stuff is jacked. And, and if you don't get the formula right, your stuff is jacked. Well, baby, if you don't get the formula right in the spirit realm, your stuff is jacked. If you want to know what God has in mind for you, don't you go to no fortune teller. Go to a fortune teller because they don't know. Only God knows what is in line for you and what he has planned for you in your life. That's like, that's, like, that's like you coming to me to learn how to cook. You're in trouble. <laughs> you're you, you in trouble. So why would you go to somebody else other than God to learn knowledge and learn what God has for you? Only God knows that. Only God can tell you what he has planned for you. Thank you, Jesus. I can tell you how to burn some stuff up, but I can't tell you how to cook no stuff. <laughs> you, you, you watch yourself. <laughs> Oatmeal. We are called to be salt, to flavor the world. To preserve, salt also preserves that which is good. You'll find that in, in Matthew 5, 13, but it also says if the salt loses its flavor, mm. what good is it? It's no good for anything but to be cast out and trampled underfoot. We are called to be light, the Bible says. You don't put a light under a bushel. You let that light shine. A city on a hill is to light up. So let your light so shine that others will see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Back in the day, there was a, a group out that we used to dance to back in the day called Parliament Funkadelic. And they had a song out called Flashlight, Neon Light, Stop Light. <laughs> well, you are light. You are a guiding light. You're a faith light. To those who are in darkness, to lead them in the right way, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You, we can't do that if we're imitating their lifestyle. My word. 
See, that means if you're going by the name of Jesus, you can't be smoking weed out there with them. I just got to bring it right down Straight Street. Amen. I just got to yeah, No, 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 no. Blunts aren't for you. See, that might be for them, but you've been called from them. God didn't call you to be them. He called you to holiness. See, I'm not just talking about being saved. I'm talking about holiness. Yes. Amen. See, I teach holiness because that's what God's people are to be. Amen. You're set apart. You're different. Well, Pastor, everybody's doing it. No, no, they, not everybody ain't. I know a whole bunch of young people that I had the opportunity to teach um, many years ago at Shippensburg University. And these were some young people who loved the Lord. They weren't doing it. There's some people, there's some young folk who love Jesus. Amen. I believe I got three right here. You hear me, Chris? <laughs> I got three young folks <laughs> right here. So, so last point, last point. I got to unpack this. It says in the text in verse 13 that you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to dispossess, this, this place, they consult sorcerers. That's what they do. They they consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God, watch this closely, the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Did you see that? It almost implies to me that they do those things and God isn't blind to it. It's almost like they do those things, God knows it, but you you're not to do them. It's like God makes a distinction. Amen. I got that they're doing it. I know that. And, 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 and that's my business with them, and, and I'll do my business with them in my time, but you're not to do that. This brings me to something I heard a preacher say, and it always rings in my spirit when I teach a message on sanctification. I heard a preacher say one time, and here's the, biblical, here's the biblical text for this, is that the person that knows God's will, the Bible says in the Gospel of Luke, and don't do it, mm -hmm. that person will be beat with many stripes. Mm -hmm. For to whom much is given, much is also required. So I heard a preacher say one time that, you know, you might have friends they may not be saved, but they're out there doing all kinds of stuff. It seems like they get no consequences. But you, anything you do, there's a consequence. They out there drinking all night, getting drunk. You try it, you'll be sick as a dog. Yep. Because, see, you're not called to that. You're called to be different. So could it be that if you try that, see, they, they, yeah, they doing it, and they seem like they getting along, they getting okay. Well, first of all, you have no idea what God That's is right. doing with them. That's right. You have no idea what their story is. You don't know what God is doing. But the question is, if you do it, you'll be sick as a dog. All your friends out there having random sex, premarital sex, Extramarital sex. It seems like 
They don't get anything. Seem like they don't get, they just having fun. You try it, you get pregnant. Or sexually transmitted disease. Because God is not calling you to that. He has forbidden you from that. The text says it. Did you see what that just said down here? See, they, they, they practice sorcery and fortune tellers. But the Lord, your God forbids you. It's a distinction he makes. To it. So I thought about that. I heard that preacher say that. I always thought about that. Because to whom much is given, much is also required. Now, my last point is to explain to you. Let me just give it to you way the point is. Your sanctification calls you to be blameless, not sinless. You see that? That's the last point of your sheet. Before the Lord your God. You see the references for it in, in, in 11 through 13. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. I'm saying to you that God calls us to be blameless, not sinless. What is the difference? What is the distinction? What is the difference between being blameless and sinless? Well, I'm glad you asked. That'll be my last point. First of all, the Bible acknowledges that even as Christians, we fall short. We sin. We make mistakes. We have errors. We, we, we have inconsistencies. So being blameless cannot mean being sinless because if it meant that, it means that you would be perfect and there's only one perfect person that I know. And it ain't you. And it ain't me. And it's not us collectively. So blameless has to mean something different than sinless. And what blameless means is that you are, <laughs> as God's spirit works in you, your heart's desire is to live in accordance with his will. And you are living in the heavenlies while your feet walk on earth. And it, it, it means that, that, not that you never ever fall short, but it means that you participate in Galatians 5.16, which says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But when you do fall short, being blameless means that 1 John 1, 9 applies instantly, mm -hmm. that you confess your sin. That's right. Yes. Because he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, which keeps you blameless before the Lord because your sins are taken away. Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that don't mean you never fall short. But that means that you're never condemned because you're in Christ Jesus. So walking blameless presupposes that you're saved. And if you are, there's no condemnation for you. You're not appointed for wrath. That's not a license. That's right. But it's a privilege Thank you, Lord. to confess your sins. As soon as they come up, don't, don't, don't sit in the morning and wait till the, the, the night to confess it. Sin, confess it right away. So it can be washed and you walk in blamelessness Amen. because it's washed. It's taken away. Amen. I think that's the right response to say, to say, to say thank you, Lord.
Amen. In other words, to walk blameless, here's a good example, here's an illustration. Walk blameless means that nobody can point to you as an example or model of a sinful life. Not, not that you never sin, but nobody can point to you as the example of a sinful life. If you're in Christ. Now, if you're in Christ and people can point to you, if people can say, man, let me take you down to New Hope Church so I can show you some evil people, there's a problem. There's a major one, right? And we need to have a talk. We need to sit down with the elders, and we need to have a talk. Or sit down with the pastor, we need to have a talk. All right? Let me close. We're asking you to turn to Galatians 5.22. There's something in there called the fruits of the Spirit that I want you to see. Because I'm going to ask you to be fruity. Not in the sense of being mentally unstable or wacky. Not, like, not that kind of fruity. When you get Galatians 5.22, this is our closing passage. Would you say Amen. Is that you, Elder Chuck? Elder Chuck is fast on the draw. <laughs> 522, because this ties into being blameless. Uh, it's the fruits of the Spirit. And it says, I got Ephesians. Do anybody else got a Galatians? Galatians 5? Amen. Okay. All right, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Watch this, against such there is no law. That's being blameless. When we don't walk in love, there is no law against that. You walk in blameless there. When you when you when you when you got some joy, there's no law against that. You walk in blameless in your joy. When you're peace and looking to foster peace, you walk in blameless. There's no law against peace. When you have self-control, you're walking blameless. There's no law against it. Against such, there is no law. So I'm looking to collect some love. When I fall short, you say, why the pastor? I don't like that, what the pastor said or did. And all pastors fall short. Well, when I make you mad, I'm looking to collect all my love from you. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm looking to collect, right? Amen. Come on and join me on your feet. Amen. And you can collect from me, too. That, that, that same love, it's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. We're blameless there. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus.